Pop Shield, a long-form discussion podcast about musical topics both past and present. I'm Gabe, and I'm joined as always by Dan. Hello. And Eric. Hello. So last week, Pitchfork reviewed Pink Floyd's Metal from 1971 as part of their Sunday Classic Reviews series, and it inspired us to tackle a topic we've been wanting to get to for a very long time now. Why it is that Pink Floyd, who used to be one of our absolute favorite bands, just doesn't seem to do it for us anymore. In fact, I think we are far from alone on this. If Rate Your Music is anything to go by, many music obsessives go through an intense Pink Floyd phase before deciding that the band is just very pretentious and very uncool dad rock. I want to interrogate that today, but at the same time, I want us to dive deep into metal itself. An iconic but definitely transitional album that's rarely discussed on its own without comparisons to Pink Floyd's earlier and later work. In fact, I was sort of disappointed by the Pitchfork review in that it like spent the entire time just talking about like, you know, the Pink Floyd myth, their whole career arc and everything. Uh, but yes, I am fully aware that these two aims, talking about metal giving it its due, and talking about Pink Floyd's legacy, uh, these are these are completely contradictory goals. That being said, before we get into metal, let's go over our previous and current feelings about Pink Floyd in general. Dan, how did you used to feel about Pink Floyd and how do you feel about them now? Yeah, I I, I probably got into them, I, I guess, like either early high school, maybe late middle school. And, uh, you know, I thought they were super rad. Uh, you know, I, you know, I guess I got mm-hmm. in through the, uh, the radio singles and then, you know, got dark side and, and, and got into, uh, you know, the, the rest of the record, you know, the wall and on from there. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, I, I loved them. They, they were, I don't think they were ever like one of my absolute favorites, but, they, but they were definitely like a band that I, I liked a lot. You know, I had some, some t-shirts and whatnot, um, of them. Um, yeah. my, my, my current feelings on them, um, I love Piper at the Gates of Dawn, and I and I love Sid Barrett, but um, I basically do not want to listen to anything um, that does not include Sid Barrett in it from Pink Floyd. I, I just feel like it's, <laughs> it's just, it just seems like, I mean, even even thinking, I mean, metal, I, I didn't have as much of an aversion to, but uh, you know, like thinking about listening to Dark Side of the Moon was like giving me. I, I don't know, yeah. like, like, like cringe anxiety up up until I did it, you know, like for for this podcast. I was just right. like, it, I, I think like in my mind, I, I was like really building it up like, uh, you know, it was almost like like taking a look through an old yearbook or something. I don't know. It was just yeah. like something I just yeah. d- didn't want to, you know, didn't want to see. You, like the like old picture when you're wearing Jinkos or whatever. Yeah, when you're with a scenester haircut or something like <laughs> Yeah, that. exactly. Um, all right, Darren, what about you? Your previous feelings and your current feelings about Pink Floyd? Yeah, I mean, like Dan, um, I probably came to like Pink Floyd around middle school. Um, definitely listed, uh, listened to them on like classic rock radio. So all of mm-hmm. those radio hits. Um, you know, obviously I was a big fan of ACDC. So any of those kind of like classic rock stuff, Pink Floyd was just constantly uh, a part of that. And, um, you know, that that slowly grew into a bit of an obsessive phase. I mean, I think that's just kind of how a lot of my early listenings happened you know you just kind of go through these phases and fall in love with bands and listen to them quite a bit you know dark side of the moon i think the wall was something that i just like constantly had either on like a cd player or you know just always playing that um and then you know it just kind of like uh disappeared you know you just i just sort of moved on and um sort of left pink floyd behind uh largely and i guess the way i feel about them now is 
you know, it, it really f- feels like a relic of a, you know, a bygone era almost, right? <laughs> Just like you had mentioned, Dan, like listening to it is kind of like flipping through a yearbook. Um, uh, you know, there we talk about bands from those, you know, from our youth and, and how they've sort of changed and impacted us later on. And Pink Floyd is just not one of those bands that I ever really came back to. And I don't know if it's just because of the radio play, the mainstream, maybe like the, the t-shirts at target, you know, um, yeah. Roger Waters coming back and doing these tours and stuff. And then like, you know, basically you're, your own your parents or anybody who who are older like that's like their you know pink floyd is what they feel like they somehow connect with mm-hmm. you know other you know youth the youth i guess in terms of like being in <laughs> on like really good bands and stuff i don't know it's just a mixture of all of that that sort of just left a a poor taste in my mouth and never really had me interested in coming back yeah i um you know i went through an absolutely obsessive pink floyd phase where they were like my favorite band pretty easily um I had like no relationship with with classic rock radio or anything and I literally just like blind purchased Dark Side of the Moon because I saw it on a lot of lists of like best albums ever or something had never heard Pink Floyd or just anything like that it blew my fucking mind like I'm not even gonna <laughs> lie like just I could not fucking believe what I was hearing and um yeah and I got you know very into the like high conceptual you know, just aura of, of Pink Floyd. We'll get into more of that, um, Mm -hmm. later, but yeah, I I don't know. Like after that, like just massive phase with them, I sort of moved on and never really felt like going back and had, I think Dan basically just summed up how I felt where it just felt like kind of a pretentious, like thing I would be embarrassed about liking if I ever came back and listened to it. It's not that I, you know, I hear songs on the radio and stuff and, and they're, I think they're cool or whatever, but it's like, just not something I would ever choose to listen to. I will say that when these um, box sets came out, like a couple of years ago, you remember these, like kind of early, the early yeah, years yeah. or something. I that stuff I, I really do still like a lot. Um, yeah, I went through that too. Have, yeah, I just think that's like a cool period. It's kind of like like of course I, I dig the Piper, the Gates of Dawn period and the Sid Barrett stuff, but it's like I like that kind of period where they're like just dicking around and like exploring and trying weird stuff it's it's not like everything hits but there's some interesting stuff there and so i was kind of excited to talk about metal it's a little bit like right at the end of that um how did you dan feel about metal in particular i, I don't know if you really uh spoke to that yeah uh i i like always like really liked metal a lot um i think it was mostly mm-hmm. because you know that live at pompeii like uh movie um right, that they did right. um which you know ahead of their time with the uh you know socially distanced empty venue concert <laughs> right, <things. right>. um <laughs> but you know i i like i fucking loved that movie in fact i I meant to watch it before this uh because i like i was wondering if it's still real rad but then i was kind of like i'll let it be rad in my mind because i'm sure it's not because <laughs> yeah. like in my mind it's still fucking like that slaps but it probably doesn't um so right. like you know that 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 concert um like it it, it pulls very heavily from metal i think almost everything uh, maybe one or two things isn't for metal but almost the whole thing is metal um and i i just like love that like that video became like sort of my favorite pink floyd thing um and so you know by extension it, it made me really like metal a lot um I, yeah I, I would say that for for a time like metal was probably my favorite pink floyd record um you know for for at least a mm. little bit uh, of my life yeah i'll, I'll just say quickly that it it was one of my favorites, I had that quality of like, you know, the 
it's obviously super famous, but it's like a little bit unfamous. So it's like cool. You know, we've talked mm-hmm. about these type of albums a, a lot. Um, and yeah, it's, you know, we'll, we'll get into it's a, it's a strange mixed bag, but it was like echoes was pretty much instantly like, you know, knocked me on my ass mm-hmm. and was always kind of one of my favorites in that period. Um, Darren, you know, I had no idea. I'll say, I'll, I'll pull back the curtain here a little bit and just say that <laughs> we were, we kind of, I think we had like kind of a busy week and we didn't pick a topic until late and pink, you know, pitchfork reviewed this album and I'm like, Oh great. We all knew pink Floyd and we all, it'll be interesting to revisit it together and come to find out Darren doesn't even know metal. What, what is your deal? You had no <laughs> metal experience in your life, Darren? Yeah, I don't know. Um, I I am very familiar. I was very familiar with uh with Fearless, and you know I was familiar with Echoes, but I I never really spent much time with this album. I mean, I guess the majority of my time with Pink Floyd was like Dark Side, Wish You Were Here, Animals in the Wall. Um, I I rare I really didn't venture backwards uh, beyond that. And just I, I just I don't know. Does that sound like crazy to you, Dan? I, I just can't <laughs> yeah, believe how bit. somebody could be. <laughs> How could you be into, like, the whole golden period and never be curious? I mean, I guess I will give you that you had to, like, pay for a CD back then, you know? Uh, But I guess you could have borrowed it from one of us. But, you know, like, um, it was, like, a little bit more of a... um, of a task to like go through a band's discography like like now basically if i like a band like one album i pretty much will listen to all their records like just because it's so easy to do um so i will give you that it it was a little harder and more expensive yeah nothing no no defense for yourself darren how 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 this happened yeah i i really don't know i mean i remember you talking about echoes a lot i mean we were in a band around that time and i know we were like pretty heavily inspired by pink floyd um you yeah, know, yeah for sure and i just never really listened to it you know i didn't i i think i had listened to echoes and at the time i I didn't like it you know i was just like this sucks you know um wow. you know, the dark side <laughs> You know, it just it just felt like, you know, Darkseid just did that did all of it much better, you know. We'll get into that, I suppose, but All right. Well, since it was kind of your first time with this, maybe you can do the honors, Darren, of uh describing the overall sound of metal. And again, we've done this many times and we're going to like break our own rule over and over again, but like let's try to, you know, talk about metal as metal. Like describe it as if this was the only Pink Floyd album that existed. Don't say it sounds like Darkseid or whatever, you know. How would you describe the sound of metal, Darren? Um, yeah, that's going to be a little bit difficult, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, this this out, al- it's actually like it's kind of. I feel like it's really difficult to just describe the album in you know as a whole because it it really varies. Like I think you mentioned earlier, Gabe, yeah. it being sort of a mixed bag, and I mean it's it's so mixed that it's like you've got this very like airy prog sound with like you know echoes very long you know proggy sound and then you literally have a song that's like straight up very much acoustic guitar and um you know something that like doesn't even sound like the rest of the record right um as far as like you know the the vocals um which i think is really a big part of pink floyd again very breathy sounding vocals right i think it um, uh you know, I'm assuming David Gilmore's singing most of the time. I, I, I guess Roger Waters may be singing a little bit too, but it, it really sounds like it's mostly. He sings like, only on uh, San Tropez. Okay, so yeah, is, so like all, pretty much everything Gilmore. else is David Gilmore's like very airy, yeah. breathy like vocals um, going going throughout it. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, how, how would you? 
Is it possible, Dan, for you to describe like just the overall sound of metal? I mean, I think it's difficult because it's basically like bookended by these two like sort of spacey, um, you know, somewhat exploratory tracks. Even though one of these days is much shorter, I think it's still like uh, you know in the vein of Echoes. But then, yeah, you've you've got this middle section here that uh, is like really such a mixed bag that it, it's. You you almost want to like like I want to describe it as like a a spacey you know kind of kind of record, but really that's only about half of it. You know, um, the the rest is 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 so each each of these you know other four songs are are completely different. I mean, Seamus doesn't sound anything like Echoes or or even you know a Pillow of Winds or, or Fearless or or Saint Tropez. So I think it, it's a difficult record to like give uh, an overarching. Um, you know, theme or, or, or feeling to. Yeah. Yeah. I just kind of wanted to like test you guys and see if you could come up with something brilliant to say, um, no <laughs> such luck, but I, I, it's probably only possible to kind of like walk through the track listing or break it up as you kind of were there, Dan. Um, at the same time, I will say that I think there is kind of like a, there's kind of an ambient drifting quality that's in these like acoustic pieces that is similar to echoes, even though the instrumentation is so different, you know, it, it all has this, you know, it's almost like ambient music. Like I, I, I think of pillow of winds or something. It's like just a drifting cloud of, I get that. You know what I mean? But can, can we, I mean, I guess we can get into criticism. It feels tacked on to me. Like it, it, it feel like that, um, you know, that, that ambient drifting quality. I, I agree. It is in something, especially like pillow of winds, but it really seems to me, um, and, and maybe this is like sort of what my like problem has become with Pink Floyd is like it, it just sort of is like tacked on like they, they got to be like like they, they felt like we couldn't just have a, you know, a, a soft love song or whatever. It, it's got to it's got to have some weird, you know, like experimental thing. Uh. But also, it doesn't actually experiment like far enough for me. You know, it's like like if they if they really like went for it. It, you know th- th- that can be cool you know you can get interesting but i just feel like it, it's so it's like this very like safe um kind of tacked on experimentation that that we get in these mi- middle tracks um interesting you know like 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 seamus like you know on paper you're like oh you know we'll have a dog sing this song and it's like <laughs> right. it, it, it's like oh you know fuck that 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 might be cool you know but it's not it's like literally like this is just like kind of a shitty blues song that uh somebody put a dog on top of you know you know what i mean like it doesn't like it doesn't like actually do i think what it's what what they're trying to to do it's like a it's like such a um I, I i i hate to use like a word like like it's like poser experimental like i hate i hate i hate that like concept you know like you know only real yeah. black metal or whatever you know i i hate that concept but i'm gonna use it here like, it just like feels like that uh on this record and i mean it just pink floyd in general but but really the these like middle ones i i feel that so much okay well let, I, I i've got some comments on that but i want to table it for now and do a chronological walkthrough, uh, just a just a brief one. But maybe Darren, you can kick us off with like, how would you describe the song "One of These Days," the opening track on this record? Um, yep. So I, I think it, you know, it really starts off as a really strong opening track, right? I think the it, you've got that like bass note that's like sort of, I don't know, I guess being echoed or uh, what? It, it's like two of them pa- playing, like both David Gilmore and Roger yeah. are playing like yeah. a bass guitar. 
and running it through just some, chugging something yeah um yeah. and you know it, it rocks out right i mean it, it really feels like a you know kind of it's got like a 70s rock sort of feel to it right but still has that like pink floyd sort of somewhat dreamy spacey like you guys have described sound to it right um yeah you know it, as an opener as an opening track i think and we talk about this with albums all the time right the opening track oftentimes sort of sets the stage you know or seems to set the table even for what you would expect for the rest of the album um mm-hmm. And I guess once we get through these tracks, we can kind of talk about maybe how the sequencing plays out. But, you know, yeah. for me, this track, I think, is a great opener. You know, it it feels, you know, familiar. It rocks out. I actually kind of really enjoyed it. You know, it being sort of one of the first times I've I've listened to it. Um, Interesting. You yeah. know, I think, it, I think it sort of sets the stage for what I would have anticipated being an album, I guess, very similar to this sound, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I, I think that, I guess I, I want to run this by you, Dan, because I think it starts off in a pretty, like, odd territory. It's almost like a proto-Swans track or something, just like these chugging, like, mm-hmm. thudding basses. You get these, like, really deep, like, bass drum hits, you know, just like, doom, 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 you know, like, and you've just got this, like, chugging propulsion, but it's, like, very minimalist at the same time. You do have a lot of these kind of like spacey noises and stuff going on, but it's like, you know, the, 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 I think what's front and center here is this kind of like just droning, very doomy guitar. You know what I mean? Like these very like just earth or sun style, like droning chords and stuff over this, like just minimalist, almost kraut rock, like chug. Um, and I wonder, Dan, what you think when it does seem to, you know, it's Darren's point, the crescendo of this whole buildup after the uh, admittedly very awesome, you know, one of these days I'm going to cut you into little pieces part is kind of like a classic rock, like ripping solo. You know what I mean? Is it a little bit of a letdown for you as a swans type music fan there? Yeah. Yeah, of course. I mean, I, I think that that is like sort of my like, like, issue with pink Floyd, like these days, um, you know, no pun intended, but, um, like, you know, it starts out like so promising because you're right. Like it, it does have this like really like sort of forward thinking, like minimalist, uh, kind of thing that, you know, proto punk. almost. Yeah. It, it, it's really cool. In fact, like the first time I, I listened to this record, uh, you know, when we were going to do this podcast, you know, I hadn't, I probably hadn't heard this in it. I don't know, at least 10 years, probably, probably more than that. Um, I was like, oh fuck, maybe that, maybe they still, you know, kick ass. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, yeah, it gets to that crescendo and it's like, oh wait, no, yeah, they always fucking blow it and become a seventies <laughs> rock band. Like, because that's the thing. And, the guitar and, solos start ripping through. And I think that <laughs> yeah. that, that's like why it's, you know, when, when, when you first get into Pink Floyd, it, it's sort of like, I mean, I think like it honestly was like probably my first like experience with anything that was like, you know, really vaguely um, experimental, you know, like outside of Sgt. Pepper's or something, you know, like, like this is the first thing, I, I mean, you know, with, with 23 minute long song or something. So it's, 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 it's really like a great, like wading pool into like the actual, you know, it, it's, it's the, it's the shallow end of, of, of this huge ocean of of you know what's what's right, that stupid right. meme you always see with the uh, the iceberg you yeah, know yeah the iceberg like yeah, like yeah. pink pink floyd's on the top of that iceberg and uh <laughs> you know i'm i'm down here on some weird ass bottom uh you know um so, but i mean do you think like speaking of like poser experimental like you were earlier i mean do you think the first half is like 
genuine, bona fide, forward-thinking music? Yeah, uh, well, I, I think one of these days is. Um, I, the the other songs, I, I don't know. But I mean, I mean, like this song in particular, because I feel like the first half is like, damn, they were far ahead of their time. Like, I'm actually, you know... Oh, you mean the, the first um, half one of, of, these one of these days? Okay, yeah, I get you. Right, I right. You the record. And, it, like, to me, if, you know, the first half of this track, I'm like, wow, that is, like, legit. And then the second half, it's like, I, I do really like it, but it, it's just kind of, like, in familiar territory. No, you know, it's exactly. how, like... I, I was... It's musically very minimal, and then in the second half, the piano comes in and kind of, like shows you what the chords are you know what i mean like mm-hmm. the full chords exactly, yeah. and it kind of like spoils the minimalist just dull bass thud of the beginning no i i was really thinking like when when i was listening to this like it it kind like that song in particular like sort of like really kind of reminded me of can and and like you know tago mago right. like like tago mago I, I was thinking of like Hallelujah or however you say that fucking song you know like it, it's it's got this like minimalist right. thing and it, it is like sort of like you know, I don't want to say like easy to listen to. You know, I, I think it's like a song that like yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, like your average person would enjoy. And then it turns into like some weird ass you know music concrete thing in the middle, um, and it brings it back to like this cool like still like uh, forward thinking like uh, like the, like the, the the crescendo there is like being uh, experimental again, like going back to like a, a grounded like experimentalism. Here we we get like that that easy experimental and then we just get okay now here's just a fucking guitar solo like regular ass 70s rock song it's just like it's just so disappointing because i feel like with with a little with a little bit more like the 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 song could just be like such a badass song you know it's just like they just they just blow it you know because even because i mean that would be like such a cool like crescendo that that weird like vocal like they recorded uh like the drummer I was reading like um, he, he they recorded it at half speed and he like did it in falsetto and so when they slow it down it's like the it's speaking at the right yeah. speed but it's like such a weird like you know unnatural sound yeah. and that's 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 a cool and super ween thing to do uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. but um you know like the, but then it's just like such a letdown like as soon as that hits yeah. it's just such a letdown I mean I always feel like I I, I don't know how one would resolve this better, like what the crescendo could be. I mean, I guess swans might be able to figure it out, but it's like, you know, and yet I don't want to give the wrong impression. I do like the second half of the song. I think it's got like a nice, like the soloing isn't like classic rock no, soloing yeah, as I, much as this yeah, kind I of agree. sloppy, like garage rock stuff. But Darren, it sounds like you're more of a fan of the second half of the song. Is that right? Yeah. I, um, <laughs> you know, I guess Dan would call, call me a normie for that. But, uh, <laughs> right. I mean, that's not, I don't, you know, that's not to say I don't like the, the first half. I think that the second half is kind of a, a nice payoff, you know what I mean? Um, I think a three-minute tr- track where it's kind of just this, like, jamming, chugging guitar and, and soloing, I think would be a lot less effective if you didn't have uh, that interesting buildup, you know what I mean? Um, and that's yeah, the kind of yeah. stuff that you like in, like... Um, you know, things like uh, Godspeed You, right? I mean, you know, you just, you love the build up into some sort of crescendo, right? And I mean, right. You know, Godspeed has, certainly has tracks that have this in it, you know. Uh, of course, it would go on for like another 20 minutes probably after <laughs> right, <laughs> yeah, yeah. the first crescendo. Well, we may, we may have more to say about uh, Godspeed on a 
on a particular later track here. Um, <laughs> yeah, fair. But first, this, I, th- I think, so one thing I do want to mention before we move on here is that the, the album opens with this kind of like whooshing wind sound, like a very slow build of this like whooshing wind to the point where like when every time I start the record, like I'm like, super quiet. Playing? Yeah, 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 I know. Um, <laughs> but then it quite cleverly, I think, ends back with this whooshing wind sound, which leads us into a track appropriately called A Pillow of Winds. Um, I want to just say that I really appreciate the, you know, the effort. I like when, when artists do this, like you've got songs that they don't sound alike at all, Mm -hmm. but just like a light touch of like a transition or something to kind of tie it together. You know, I think like it it permits making that big leap. And in in fact, I feel like part of the point here is like how different the second track is from the first track, but it's a nice touch. I think the way that we're like. You know, they somehow pull it off. How the how the hell would you take the song one of these days and be like, how do we make it seamlessly flow into a pillow of winds? And it's like just a small thing, but I think it really works. That being said, we move into like a middle section of these kind of acoustic-ish songs, A Pillow of Winds, Fearless, San Tropez, and Seamus. Um You know, any do you object first off to the me grouping these together? You guys were kind of mentioning that you see them as pretty different from one one another? I think they're different from each other, but in the context of the record, I, I think it's very uh, apt to group them together because, uh, you know, the record's sort of bookended by these, like, kind of spacey experimental tracks, um, you know, with one of these days and echoes. Yeah. And so e- even though the, the, these four middle kind of songs I mean, even though uh, one of them's even longer than one of these days, uh, you know, they just they don't fit like that same uh, kind of sound or, or, or theme or whatever. Um, so I, I, I think they definitely should be grouped together. Yeah. What do you think, Darren? Do you see this as like a sustained section or just different tracks? Yeah. I mean, in the context of the album, like Dan had mentioned, I think that this grouping is fair because they, they do seem to differentiate um, quite a bit from the opening and the closing track, you know, and I, I do think it's also important to point out the pro- the recording process for this record, right? Like, if I understood it correctly, it seemed to have taken a long time to put this record together, right? It, it was, like, recorded yeah. while they were still touring and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And, and there was, think like, that- a lot of, like, famously, they were just, like, really trying to go far out there, experimenting and dicking around, and the only thing they got out of that was the ping sound that starts echoes <laughs> right, right and they were off running from there but yeah <laughs> and so you know i just think that that's important to like mention when we start talking about the tracks because i i think that that process comes out in the sequencing and the songs in this record and particularly these four tracks here where it almost feels like over the course of a year however long it may have taken you know you just different at different points of the year you just find yourself working on a different track or you know being inspired by whatever it is and kind of focusing on that you know it's not like a situation where the album was sort of written they practice it they go to the studio and they record it in two weeks you know what i mean where like there's like a very singular idea and they kind of have it all the way throughout but like i can imagine like you mentioned they started with that sound for echoes right and that kind of like blew up into that track and then Three months later, you know, Fearless comes along. Yeah, like, yeah let's just yeah. work on this for a few weeks or something. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, yeah, I think that yeah. this grouping is is definitely fair, but I, I think it's also important to point out that it does sort of lend itself to this, like, lengthy songwriting process. At least that's how it comes across. Yeah, I think I'd agree with that. In fact, I think this middle section, 
these sound like the kind of songs that you write in a hotel room while you're on tour. Yeah. Exactly. Whereas, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's the other point. tracks are like when you're together in the studio and kind of like jamming and feeling things out. Right. Um, you know, I wanted to get your take, Darren, when when Dan started to say earlier that he thinks, you know, the pillow of winds, it's like got a drifting ambient quality, but it's like tacked on. It's not enough to make it fit with the aesthetic of echoes, for example. Um, do you agree with that? Because I feel personally like you know, when it comes to like that song and some of the others as well here, it's like, it feels like the song is secondary. It's more about the sound or something like, you know, the vocals are always, as you mentioned, very breathy, but like often mixed very low. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, it's just like the production is kind of emphasizing like the, the, the spaciness or something of it, like the cloudiness of the sounds. Um do you get that same impression, Darren, or do you think that is just take a normal little acoustic number and tack on a, a little bit of ambient drift to it? No, I definitely think that there's like an atmosphere um, that is kind of a through line through most of these tracks, right? And it's, you know, when you, if you listen to this, I guess, in the way that I've approached it, where I'm a little, I'm much more familiar with everything that kind of came right after this record, right? Right. Um, right. You obviously can hear how this how that sort of atmosphere developed and became something like dark side you know what i mean um right, right. there's not a lot of like we talk about like sparseness and, and empty spaces um on other tracks by other artists and stuff here it feels like it's it's deliberately being filled with like you know a slide guitar with like some heavy reverb on it or something like that right, and um, right. it, it definitely creates a bit of like an identifier to like the pink floyd sound you know what i mean coming coming to this record the way i did it's like oh this is this is familiar you know what i mean yeah i I think that you know maybe they're not nailing it as much here but it's like if you've ever been you know hanging out with a a certain type of, of people you know and at a campfire or something you'll hear somebody with an acoustic guitar play a couple pink floyd songs and you realize like how just normal they are <laughs> and then you think back to the record and you're like damn you know like they made a song like wish you were here or breathe or something so atmospheric like so much bigger than just the little acoustic ditty that it like really is right and i feel like you know i think they get really good at that like elevating what is a pretty simple just acoustic number or something um into something like much more musically and production wise interesting but dan i mean would you even agree with that statement yeah or do you feel like it's just not working here no i think like eventually yeah like they they do become like very good at that um you know i mean dark side of the moon is is full of it i mean like you said too wish you were here like those there's so many songs on, on both of those records that are just like little actually crappy acoustic songs you know um yeah, but yeah, yeah they they like do play play brain damage like on an acoustic yeah guitar. exactly you know what i mean darren like how dumb it is kind right, of like exactly. just a little d with like the little yeah um, uh, but, but i yeah, I, on, I just think here you know like it, it's just they haven't refined that uh fully yet i don't think and you know it, it just feels like i like i said i mean i just feel like it, it's a little bit like like darren said you know it, it everything's like very full like there's no empty space and i think like with with ambient music and all like sometimes you need a little bit of that empty space like the the, the you know um the the sound you don't hear like can be just as important as the ones you don't hear 
already do here. Well, what about, uh, you know, one thing that comes to mind when you say that is like the, what I think is absolutely stunning chorus of the song Fearless, which is like this kind of peppy, folksy, strummed ditty turns into like this very wide open space with like kind of you know like all the instruments kind of just drop out it's Mm -hmm. just like this ebo like drone that kind of rises and falls Mm -hmm. and that i think is kind of masterful would you agree with that dan yeah i think i think that's better i I was just talking about pillow (laughs) winds we're going in order here okay Uh, okay. i'm kind of just grouping this all together (laughs) okay all right yeah i mean i think i think they're they're the, the, we we you said it like this is a transitory record you know a transitional record rather um you know and and it's <laughs> and it uh yeah it's a very traveling record um it's, it's yeah the uh you know like it, the and that's not necessarily like a a bad thing you know you you've you've kind of got to go through it you know like you you need to come here to to get to you know dark side of the moon that that kind of thing doesn't usually just like appear out of nowhere for a band you know so i i, I feel like they they're definitely like working to it, towards it i think they're they're much more successful in a song like fearless i think like uh on fearless like that um that like kind of sample um i i, I guess it's like yeah. a soccer game or a football game rather um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't, don't want to get any, you know, don't want to get any emails. Um, <laughs> but I think like that's a cool, you know, that's that is like a kind of like a neat atmospheric, like you know, ex- experimental like kind of thing to do. And, and I think they 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 get kind of good at that with Dark Side. Uh, oh, and I guess we've completely thrown out not. Yeah, I just realized about, that yeah. we, we, we threw that out. But um, <laughs> I'll finish my point, and then we'll go back to not doing it. Um, you know, they do that with like like those little like what is it like a janitor or something like talking um and even like the clocks at the beginning of time like they do become like pretty uh good at that and i and i think that's like a, a very uh, and i think this record in, in particular too like like pink floyd is sort of like a uh proto post rock <laughs> if, if that makes any sense right you know right, um right. like kind of kind of thing um so i i think they get better at it but but this is just like th- this is the you know the the primordial soup uh of it you know they they're just not like quite 100% effective at it and i, I think pillow yeah, wins is is I, where I is where they it just falls a little short like i i just feel like some of those like sounds you know like 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 Darren mentioned like the slide guitar that's like heavily echoed it's like it's okay you know it's just like i don't think it's the best thing i i think like some like some of it like using the empty space could be could be so much better like they just a lot of times i think they fall in that trap of like we we've got to jam every little thing and you know like we we've got some weird synth like we gotta we gotta jam it in there you know we've got the slide guitar you know it's like i think they fall victim to that uh sometimes that might be the case you know but i I do think they're kind of like they're 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 getting to that yeah no i think yeah don't get me wrong i think they're getting there but let me ask um Darren, now we'll go back to we'll reinstate the rule of not talking about Dark Side or whatever. But um, you know, anything in this kind of middle acousticy section stand out to you either for good or for bad? I mean, you mentioned you used to be even back in the day somehow were a fan of the song Fearless, despite never listening to this album. Um, how did it sound to you this week? Because it's a highlight for a lot of people, I think. Yeah, um, it maybe maybe it was a radio hit, right? I think I think I've heard. Yeah, it's radio, a single. Possibly. it's a single. Yeah, interesting. Um. Yeah, I mean, Fearless, I think, still stands out. I mean, that riff is just so great. And I, I think that it really, you know, plays as if they had just had that riff and just knew it was, like, you know, a really great riff and kind of built a song 
completely around that. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. I know you mentioned that like the emptiness of the chorus or whatever the chorus is, I guess is cool, but it also kind of, to me, it sort of plays like where, where else would you even go after a riff like that? Like the riff is such a, a major part of it. You know what I mean? Um, but it's yeah. still, it's still a really cool song. You know, I, I still like it. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I think that for me, that's like, that's a major highlight. It used to be one of my absolute favorites. Um, I kind of felt going into this like, oh, I probably listened to that so much that I'm not going to like it anymore. But I, I do think it's like really a stunning composition and really yeah. breathtaking. Um, to me, it's like the the really breathy vocal with just like this Ebo sound. It's like it makes me think of Brian Eno, the stuff that he would be doing in a couple of years, you know, like mm-hmm. where the you know, it, it happens to be a great song. But the emphasis is really on just like the sound and the atmosphere of this thing. It's like almost an ambient track and also like the really bendy little bass lines are like very they remind me of another green world by brian eno very much um uh what about you dan like anything any any low lights here i mean we probably got to talk about san tropez and seamus which people seem to kind of hate yeah i mean seamus is is the obvious low light it just seems like such a pointless endeavor you know it's like this just kind of blues song but then there's a dog howling over it. it it just it seems like one of those half-assed kind of like, you know, like like Darren mentioned those those like little um, things they did to get ready for this record. It it it, it seems like one of those kind of things, you know, like it, it just it's really like kind of a failed experiment. I don't think it belongs on this record at all. I I I don't know. Maybe it's like a decent, you know, kind of closer for the first half of the, you know, like as a as a not an actual song, but like you know. I can't think of the, the the word I'm looking for, but you know, like like sort of an outro kind of kind of thing, maybe. But yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's tricky because just... I I don't know how you would get to echoes. Like if it just went from like San Tropez to echoes yeah. or something, I think I'd be yeah. really yeah. Weird. No, exactly. Um, like you sort of do need something in between those, but I yeah. I just feel like they could have done better than than Seamus. It just it just I don't know. It just feels like so kind of pointless, and it's it just like every time I listen to this record. Just when that would come on, I'd be like, "Ugh, man, you know, two two minutes." <laughs> well, re- real quick, while we're talking about Seamus, let me just uh, mention that uh, Dan's cat is meowing a lot right now, and if I miss editing that out, I apologize. That we too have an animal uh, just howling. <laughs> yeah, that's the top of our podcast. <laughs> yeah, um, that'll be the name but, of the episode. You know, Floyd did it, so I think it's okay. Um, And by the way, when fucking Fiona Apple did this shit this year with dogs barking over her song, she's a genius. But when Pink Floyd does it, not a genius. I think think she did it a lot better. Both of them annoyed the shit out of my dog. And, uh, you know, but... um, I just, well, let I me ask know, you, Darren. What do you think about uh, what do you think about Seamus? Yeah, I mean, not really a big fan of that track. Um, you know, to me, once once you get through like Fearless, um, both San Tropez and, and Seamus are just sort of like I don't know, maybe palate cleansers <laughs> ahead of Echoes, I yeah. guess. Um, and I, I I get it. I think you need a little bit of space there between you know Fearless and then finally Echoes. You know, I I, I don't. I think there's other ways that you could have created that space. I don't think either of these two tracks are particular highlights uh, at all. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll just like say again that I, I appreciate that the production on these tracks, while maybe not totally succeeding, it's trying to make it fit in with like the kind of atmospheric quality of this album. You know, like Seamus in particular, it's like weird how the it's like the chugging rhythm guitar is the loudest thing by far. Um 
and like the vocals are very buried and it's like it just makes it like just kind of an interesting mix i think um san tropez is similar where it's like the most dominant sound is are these like really sustained piano chords that just seem to like ring out forever um I don't know if they, if they just recorded these straight, it'd be like, I think really awkward, but it like kind of, I don't know. It kind of like fits. It kind of works as like, there's this, you know, four song long transition into echoes in a way. And, and honestly, I feel like that's all they had to successfully do, um, for me. Um, but that being said, let's, uh, let's move on to echoes. I hope we spend longer talking about this than we did Seamus, uh, <laughs> cause it's really like the, you know, the reason to be here, um, Maybe Darren, as a not first-time listener, but maybe first-time like really deep listener, can you describe the overall sound of Echoes? Oh Lord. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, Yeah. So this twenty-three minute, you know, epic, um, you know, starts off with that that sound that we've been sort of talking about, right? That kind of kicked off the path to this record, Um, right? A lot of atmosphere, you know, this, this is really the track that, you know, obviously there's the, to me, there's the feeling of like really kind of stretching things out, really letting things, um, you know, play out without any adherence to, you know, staying within a certain, you know, parameter. Right. Um, so the, uh-huh. the lead up, I think before like lyrics even begin is like at least three minutes, right. It's almost like a, a track in and of yeah. itself before you actually get to a little bit of singing. Um, once you get there though, you know, that very airy familiarity, um, very spacey atmospheric sound, um, sort of established at least with one of these days, I think kind of returns. Right. Um, yeah. And then it, you know, where you might think that the track would sort of end, it kind of continues to like build up. Right. And, um, gets pretty rocking, you know, very, uh, it's pretty funky. I think like that, like really funky part. Like, well, yeah, right, right before that though, right before that, like you get a pretty, pretty ripping guitar solo. You know what I mean? That's true. I'm sure Dan is like relieved once it's over. Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's my favorite part. Um, I mean, in my, in my opinion, it's kind of like these solos are like, you know, I want to ask you guys, like, I have this theory and I feel like some prog heads will like get mad at me because I don't really know that much about prog. But in my mind, prog kind of like starts with King Crimson and Pink Floyd, like almost simultaneously. And it then goes off into two different paths or it like had the choice of going off into two different paths. And the prog genre basically like decided to go the King Crimson route, which is like a lot of virtuosity, like hairpin changes like really tightly structured compositions you know that will like switch time signatures like on a Mm -hmm. dime you know what i mean and stuff um when i listen to like this song and i listen to pink floyd in general i really do not think virtuosity like david gilmore soloing a lot on this track but i feel like it's 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 very musical but it's also just very like you know, ambient, like he's just kind of like doing these like bendy notes in the background and stuff to just kind of add like this weird atmosphere to it. Even when he does start ripping solos, I feel like it's a lot of just held notes. You know what I mean? He's not like showing off like Eddie Van Halen or something like that. What do you think, Dan? No, I I completely agree. I mean, like uh, Nick Mason, the drummer, I, I like, I think he's a really like good drummer um right you know he, i don't ever think like what a great drummer nick mason is you know? no exactly like but I, but that's what i mean like he's a good drummer to me because yeah i i don't i hate like that sort of show-offy like 
you know, right. proggy kind of thing where he like, you know, he, he has interesting like, um, you know, uh, arrangements and everything, but it, but it never, it, it never like over uh, states its purpose. You know, it, it's, it's much like Ringo, you know, like a lot of people give yeah, Ringo shit yeah. as being like, you know, some bad drummer, but it's like not, he, he like fills his role perfectly. And that is like, well, being an actually good you know musician or right, drummer right. or something you know um so i yeah i've always thought that about pink floyd and and that but what is what about like, like david gilmore even i, I yeah think yeah he knows when to pull back no exactly i think the whole band like you know uh, at least like before you know it gets later on like mm-hmm. they really do just sort of have like this garagey like almost feel to it you know like like you said like like so much prog uh becomes like this like you know who who can have like eight hundred drums and 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 you know it's right, right. the the even the sound of the rec- the record is like you know the best it could possibly be and everything I I think Pink Floyd right. like really like a, a high point of Pink Floyd is that like they they don't seem to like do that you know like I mean yeah obviously like David Gilmore is like a, a really good guitarist um and and everything but it's not like you know he's he's not like doing some like really jerk off like solo you know it, it's it's always like yeah you know maybe understated or like just perfectly stated it's never like and i i think about like how how low he is in the mix mm-hmm. on this song. yeah it's like you know it's not just like the rhythm track is the bed on which the solo sits exactly which is the case for most like classic rock you know it's like really emphasizing the overall sound and he's just contributing is that is that how you hear it darren or do you think this is much more like in the classic rock kind no, of no 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 i don't think this is like a how many notes can i fit into this or you know let me press this pedal so that i'm like louder than everybody yeah. else so that right solo right. is is really standing out no I, I really and i kind of feel this way about david gilmore even in the later years like i feel like he really just contributes to the sound in a way and like finds a way to blend in and not necessarily overtake um a track yeah. you know i i i think and i found i think i found that very inspiring as a guitarist myself you know what i mean like someone who was not right, classically right. trained or very good to be frank right um <laughs> right. Y- you know if you can find ways to make sound you know with just a few notes and stuff bending here and there whatever and, and not feel like you have to know all of like the scales and up and down the guitar or anything like that like that's that's really cool you know what i mean yeah, yeah i, I yeah. completely and, I, okay. I, I think that's the better way to be you know i've talked about it but i i think that's the much yeah. more like interesting way to to play music yeah i think that's to pink floyd's credit um uh so i kind of cut darren off but basically yeah you were saying we get into this like pretty epic like build-up part where we get these like sick uh <laughs> i just love them like the sort of climbing guitar like badass and then funky ass groove like absolutely nasty groove i think with this like just sick organ rick wright killing it then we move into like spooky jungle like the middle of that fishman's track that we talked about a couple episodes ago <laughs> yeah with just like a weird like animals calling out like whining like banshees or something uh move back into the verse essentially which again kind of builds up in like a pretty grand way um Let's talk for a minute, I think, about that, you know, maybe just the overall kind of build up here, but also the that middle section is what I'm really curious what you guys think about it. Yeah, I mean, I, the the build up, I, I guess, let's speak to first. I, I think it's I think it's really cool. You know, I Echoes was probably always like one of my favorite Pink Floyd songs, you know, growing up and and stuff. And and I, I honestly still like thought it was pretty cool. You know, that 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 build up is like really good. Uh, I think this is like. 
you know, we were talking about one of these days and, and uh, you know, I, th- I thought it sort of like falls short. I think Echoes like does a much better job. Um, you know, they, they, they kind of do this build up and then instead of it just being like some ripping solo, it, it is like this kind of weird section. Do I have like some some little you know problems here and there with the the middle section? Like yeah, it, it, I think sometimes it gets kind of like like that's sort of again I don't want to use the word but you know posery experimental thing where it's like oh would it be crazy if there were some animal sound you know or whatever which yeah I, I feel like there 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 it could be like done just a little better here um but but I yeah. think it, it's it's overall like like pretty cool and. I mean, I, I said it before, but I think like Pink Floyd and in this song in particular is like really sort of like foreshadowing, uh, you know, kind of post rock. Um, you know, yeah, we, we've yeah. we've got the twenty three minute you know song length here. We've we've got like sort of these uh, you know movements uh, throughout the piece. That, that part, like after the first part, after the kind of like dark ambient spooky part. Um, with like those like diddle, 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 is like pure explosions in the sky. And that's exactly who I was like, thinking. Yep, yep, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And and so I mean that's like super. That's like a super neat thing, you know. I mean, like I I, I love like seeing you know like you know you listen to Black Sabbath and you can hear you know the the the, the future of uh, you know sun and earth and stuff. And I feel like here you, right. you're you're hearing the future that that becomes explosions in the sky, you know, Mogwai and and, and things that I like yeah, still to this yeah. day uh, like enjoy a lot. And and I think like because of that like I. Can, like I, I think I can still like like echoes. I, I don't think they've like really blown it yet. Like like they will in the future, you know. <laughs> well, let me ask you, Darren, because I feel like we we were on the same page um, on this. Um, where it's like, like I guess I personally feel like that middle section, the spooky part, is like a little dull. Like there's just not much to focus on. It kind of seems to just exist to be like a weird interlude, you know? Mm-hmm. And yet when I was younger and tell me if you were the same way, Darren, as I think you were, it's like, I really loved when like I was listening to something and it's like, you got to make it through the shitty part because then when it gets good, <laughs> it's so fucking good. Like for some reason I really liked that. And I liked, you know, I had this pretentious quality too, where it's like, you know, noob, you know, noobs won't be able to get through this and they won't experience like, and if you just cut like, you know, if you just cut that middle part, it wouldn't hit as hard when you finally got to the good part. But you know what I mean, Darren? Like, did, did you used to feel that way? And do you, do you still feel that way? Do you feel like you don't have as much patience as you once did? <laughs> no, I, I mean, I think I think I was definitely like that. I was totally like that, right? We, we used to talk about it, right? Like, oh, the payoff. Like, it's just so worth it. Like, <laughs> right, no right. understands, you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, but I agree with you. Like, I, I feel like this section is, like, really dull. I, I feel like it loses me. Um, listening to it now you know like it just it's just such a stark drop off and like as opposed to like that um fishman's track right like at least like you can kind of hear the rhythm in the background or something you know Mm -hmm. there's just right right. there's more things being added on like layers it's like building up and it you know this just sounds like truly like just weird noises and it just doesn't seem to be like going anywhere right um and they i don't know the recording process necessarily but it sure seems like they had the first and the last parts pretty well figured out right and then that that middle section was just maybe something that they just yeah. wanted to play around a bit with right or or because it, it feels like it could have been like 
anything you know you could just cut that out and you could do some other weird excursion like it just needs to be some kind of break in the action so that when the harmony comes back it's really glorious and i mean so much so that like the the uh the version of this that's on like the uh greatest hits which is called echoes is edited down it's only 16 minutes long you know and they they get rid of a lot of that dicking around (laughs) and stuff and i mean i think like that's the thing like i i don't think you could take like any you know, Godspeed song or, or explosion song. And like, you know, if it's 22 minutes, I, f- I feel like it would be difficult to edit it down to 16, you know, like it, it, yeah. just, it just sort of feels like everything's kind of necessary. Whereas here, like, yeah, you're both right. It's like sort of just there to be weird or to be experimental. Um, yeah. And not like truly like actual, you know, experimentation. Um, right. It just, yeah, that, that, that's, that's like my biggest problem i think with with pink floyd like at at this point in my life you know yeah well let me move on to some bigger uh questions here which i think is the one that a lot of people end up asking themselves about metal is this album just kind of all about echoes or do you think there's more to metal than just echoes i think it's a little bit about echoes you know it's like Uh you know like one of these days i think uh is a good song but kind of like it works because it's similar to Echoes. And then, I mean, we basically talked about it, all these middle songs, while while half of them are are like very good, you know, they're just sort of there because you got to get to Echoes. And and, I mean, I think we all agreed that like Seamus and San Tropez are just because like you can't go from Fearless to Echo, you know, like everything's sort of like because, you know, such and such echoes, you know, such and such echoes, like the whole record sort of like revolves around it. And I think when you have like an album that's, that's just two sides and one of the sides is completely one of these songs, that's going to happen. I mean, you know, it's not necessarily a bad thing. I just think they don't like, I don't think they're completely successful in, in, in building two echoes like for that, you know, and, and that makes it where like, you know, when you're paying for this record, you, you're kind of just paying for echoes and you're getting some bonus tracks kind of, kind of thing, you know? <laughs> yeah. I think it would be especially weird, like in the vinyl era to listen to that first half and then actually have to stop and flip yeah, it I and know. start echoes. Like, the, like that would be so odd because it's, yeah, it's like trying as hard as it can to build to it. And the fact that you would have like a mental break there would, I think just fuck it all up. It, it works like better in the CD era, but what do you think, Darren? Is there like a reason to come to metal beyond echoes? I really don't think there is. You know what I mean? Wow. Um, I it 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 also feels like the the band themselves like had this track and like had the half of the record and like well we gotta yeah. we have another side we gotta do something with you know what I mean exactly um, because you know I, I think that this we would be having a very different conversation if you know maybe the album was like just two or three tracks and they were all over like fairly long with maybe echo still being the longest but you know the it would you, you could really create that mood and that theme you know like mm-hmm. a godspeed record right i mean it, those records don't have like these like kind of fluffy strange tracks like they all they're all long right most of the time right yeah. they're all very long they all have there's a through line you know there's a clear theme um here yeah. it's like i mean you're you're just you're here for echoes right if echoes is not on the record i don't even know what the, i I don't even know what this really is. You know what I mean? Like it's, it doesn't, <laughs> right. exactly. it doesn't end yeah. well with Seamus. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Side, side A is not like a masterpiece uh, on its own. Um, 
Okay, so we, we've been kind of like talking about the sequencing and the lack of cohesion here. Um, something we haven't talked about, though, is like the kind of lyrical themes. I know this is not like a big point of emphasis when it comes to Pink Floyd, but did you guys have any observations about, you know, what's being talked about here? If there is something tying this thing together lyrically? I feel like, you know, most most of these songs, uh, you know, most of this record, it, so much of the, the lyrics are kind of so breathy that they kind of just fade into being like another sound of, of the song, yeah. which I like. I, 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 we've said it before, you know, a ly- rarely do like lyrics outside of like rap music make a song better. You know, it, it's, it's usually like embarrassing if you can like understand it or something. But so I, I like really do kind of just enjoy the, the breathy, like ethereal, uh, you know, I really don't know the lyrics to, to these songs. Like even after all these years, like, you know, I, 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 right. I know a handful or something, you know, but it's like it, it, they, they, they become just a part of the ether. Um, and, and I really like that. Um, Echoes, I think it, it sort of tries a little hard to be like, a, you know, deep. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> it, it, it tries a little bit hard and, and I don't think it's as it's successful in the like burying of the words as being like, I, I think they're more like um in the forefront uh which yeah which is yeah. which is like one of my you know b- knocks on on echoes um but yeah i think yeah, i my, think my, here we're, we're we're not really here for the lyrics which is good for right pink floyd. my theory is kind of like like echoes is the perfect uh pink floyd like song subject matter because yeah. It's a it's about some like pretentious deep like nonsense. It seems to be about like the birth of the universe or something like that. Like really lofty aims here. And yet, like the title is so perfect because the title is Echoes, which is like, you know, on one hand, it's like the reverberations between souls, like we're all just one mind and you know, we're all just <laughs> echoes of each other. On Beautiful. the other hand, it's like cool fucking noises you know what I mean? <laughs> echoes are just cool fucking noises like and i feel like pink floyd just exists on that like knife's edge where it's like trying to be really deep but at the end of the day it's kind of just about how cool echoes sound yeah you know what i mean no, like, they exactly. actually just sound cool <laughs> i mean what, what do you make of the of the subject matter here darren yeah i mean i not a fan right uh i think that <laughs> pink floyd would have been better off like you know, just not trying to, you know, I, I think speaking through like a song title, like Echoes, like you mentioned, I think would be great, you know, and like they could really have dialed it back a, a bit with the the serious tone of the lyrics, like if, as you're obviously reading them. Now, when they come through and you're they're singing and all that kind of stuff, it's like very buried, like you just mentioned, very well mixed in. So like you don't feel like you ever have to pay close attention. Um you know the song like fearless though like i was gonna ask you guys like what do you make of this idea like i think the pitchfork article kind of highlights that a lot of their albums especially post sid barrett seem to be like dealing with or talking about like what happened with sid oh. barrett you know what i mean and I oh think yeah fearless they kind of clearly indicates that too their entire career is just talking about Sid Barrett, you know, like, we'll, yeah. we'll, I, you know, I'll bring up other records now, but, you know, like, Wish You Were Here, like, <laughs> it's like the whole record is about Sid, or most of the record, at least, you know, Dark Side of the Moon's about Sid, you know, and it's just like, so, like, if it wasn't for Sid, I feel like they're either, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's cool that they have, like, a muse, it's like a very interesting story that they it have, is, but yeah. it's like, half of their music is about Sid Barrett, and the other half is about, like, how much they hate being a part of the music industry. Yeah, like the yeah. entire wall, the, the wall album is just about 
like fucking hating crowds, like hating everybody. Like it's, and you know, have a cigar is like, I hate record execs. There are like two songs here that are like, you know, pillow of clouds is, or no, one of these days is supposed to be like a diss of a particular radio jockey that was like mean to them or something. And then <laughs> fearless is thought to be like kind of a tribute to John Peel. It was like an early champion of, mm. of theirs. He he loved this particular like Liverpool football team or whatever that the chance is from and stuff. Um, So it, it's, it's weird the things they take inspiration from, like very, very weird. Um, I do want to just quickly give a full disclosure, though, that that when I was younger, I thought Echoes was the deepest shit I'd ever heard. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Me too. Me too. Don't, don't think I'm like, you know, higher higher than thou or anything like that. Um, so we, we started to touch on this, and I want to kind of start turning to like the bigger Pink Floyd conversation now. We can we can let go of the rules that we didn't follow very <laughs> yeah, well no. anyway. Um, but, you know, is it the lyrics that that give Pink Floyd a bad rep because they, you know, they, they become much more prominent in later albums. You know, the albums to come like are very thematic, um, very much emphasizing to the point where like the wall is like an opera, you know, it's kind of like all about the words. Um, so, you know, this bad taste that we all sort of <laughs> mentioned that we have in our mouth about Pink Floyd for some reason, is it the lyrics? Is it the, what the aesthetic, the, like, do they get proggier and more virtuoso later, or what is it? I, I think a lot of it is sort of the lyrics, you know? Like, like I said, I, I, was, I wasn't, like, really... I didn't mind listening to, to metal. Like, I, I didn't really have, like, oh, I gotta listen to metal. Like, I was sort of, like... You know, that, that was more like an old friend I hadn't seen in a long time that, that was cool, you know? Um, whereas, like, yeah. Dark Side was, was looking through the yearbook or, or you know, something uh-huh. that, that, that was gonna feel cringy. And and wish you were here, uh, very much too, because you know, like like something like have a cigar, like it's just so in your face, and like really, like like the 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 theme of it, it's just there. There's no like no subtlety at all, you know. It's just like it's very obvious what that song's about, and it's just sort of like you know, you you guys are like at this point multimillionaires, like complaining about, you know. <laughs> it's just like I don't, yeah, I don't really need to be complained at by by that you know um, <laughs> right and even you know like like dark side the the lyrics just get kind of like oh man you know f- it, it's sort of like what echoes does a little bit but at least echoes like hides it enough that it's like i can i can stomach it um but i think i i think that the, like like echoes like that is like one of the, the the problems though is like it it doesn't like i love piper at the gates of dawn and, and like sid barrett and stuff because like you know there, there's these like you know, you, you've got some like interstellar overdrive that's like this like kind of long, like proggy, like jam kind of thing. But but then like there's also like so much humor in in that era yeah, of the band, yeah. you know, like I mean, um, I, you know, bike is just like so like a silly song and, uh, right, uh, you know, right. gnome and stuff like there, there's like a definite like I mean, you know, every every so you see Emily play like, everything. There's just like. There, there's a there's a humor to it and like it doesn't take itself too seriously and i think like as soon as sid is is gone that like really goes out the window you know and, and maybe it is uh yeah. maybe it's roger waters fault because i mean you know, he he's mostly responsible for the wall and the wall i think is like the most like pretentious uh yeah i have a hard time thinking of like any I, humor to, to really be to, to be honest i couldn't bring myself to listen to the wall you know like you <laughs> I, I couldn't do it I, I i couldn't do it i it just well i want to i want to spend a little a little extra time in a minute here talking about like revisiting other stuff or or not but 
Um, but Darren, what, what, like, what is your problem with Pink Floyd? The lyrics, the aesthetic, what is it? Yeah, I mean, I think the lyrics are problematic. You know, I was thinking of like the song Money when we were, you guys were just discussing and stuff. Um, and just thinking about like how, so how, how their lyrics um, really become such like, I don't know, like bumper car or, uh, you know, like a car sticker, right? Um, yeah, like bumper yeah. Sticker mm-hmm. type of phrases and stuff like that. And, and I think the problem is because I, I was, you know, just thinking about this all the last week and a half or whatever. Um, comparing Pink Floyd to like, I don't know, Radiohead, Nirvana, bands that I was also like listening to at the time that I have still enjoy. I may not mm-hmm. like revisit as much, but still certainly enjoy. And, you know, obviously there's lyrics in, in those bands uh, catalog all over the place. But I think the biggest difference is that, you know, you never really felt like you knew what like Radiohead was talking about. I, I think you could get a theme pretty much out of every album, right? But if you like picked out any one song, I mean, there's just so much there. There's subtlety. Like, yeah. You, yeah. And you're like, there's things to discover later on. Right. With Pink Floyd, it's like, I get it. Like I, I got it back then. <laughs> yeah. There's no yeah, need to exactly. go back for more, you know, the wall and especially like I listened to about half of it and I was like, okay, I'm done. I can't, I can't go here <laughs> because, you know, it, it's so much of like a hand holding experience where like Roger Waters is like literally just like, you know, telling you exactly you know, he's giving it to you, like, you know, full frontal. Like, there's no subtlety there. There's nothing to discover, really. Like, you get it. And once you got it, I don't know how much there is to return to, if that makes any sense. No, exactly. Yeah, I, I agree with that. But it's like, I think that, uh, like, Pink Floyd is a little bit unfairly maligned because I think that, that musically, they remain, like, very, very interesting and, and very trailblazing, you know? And it's like... I guess I I kind of came down on the side of like the lyrics kind of like yeah they they're kind of cringy now they're like very direct they're like like Roger Waters just has this axe to grind that I find impossible to like sympathize with like you were mentioning Dan and it's just like it's just odd but you know I, I was listening to like you know Wish You Were Here right and like the track Welcome to the Machine you know do I give a shit about him bitching about you know the music industry and like this evil machine and blah blah blah, blah. No, but like those six seventy cents like swells all over that track are just awesome. Like I, I, I just feel like I don't know if you could somehow get rid of the the lyrics or something. Like like everybody's gonna grow out of the lyrics, but people kind of assume that they've therefore grown out of Pink Floyd. And it's it's I would almost say it's worth it actually to just yeah you grow out of the lyrics, but the music still has I think a lot to offer. I think that's fair, you know, honestly, because you, you're right. I did on it, like I did really kind of enjoy like those those synth sounds and stuff. I mean, like when when I was younger, like like the last time I had listened to uh, you know Pink Floyd, I I didn't like know about you know like i knew what a synthesizer was but to me that was just a keyboard you know like i didn't i didn't know about them and like now i I, i'm interested in that so it was kind of you know i was reading it like i read on like what sense they were and i was like oh yeah you know that that's this you know and it was like sort of a fun uh like activity of it but but yeah it's like you you gotta listen to like roger waters like i i wish you could get like uh um instrumental versions of the record you know (laughs) like it it just really would be so much so much better i think uh it's just i just do not want to listen to roger waters complain i guess we're just doing the conversation now but it's like revisiting stuff like i was listening to animals right and it's like animals it has like very long instrumental passages like not a ton of lyrics there necessarily um but it's like you know and so i think it's very interesting and very cool there seems like a like almost influence of like punk filtering into animals like how kind of like 
raw and like dark it kind of is um and it's just like very very musically interesting and then i keep thinking like he how fucking old was he that he was like the animal farm blew his mind like yeah exactly doesn't everybody read that when they're like 12 animal farm blew my mind when echoes blew my mind you know what i mean (laughs) (laughs) he was inspired to write an entire album about animal farm but it's like musically you know i I gotta hand it to him i mean you started to, to mention darren but did you have any positive experiences revisiting any other Pink Floyd records this week? I mean, yeah, like I, I agree with like, you know, instrumentally, like I, I still find a lot of their music very interesting and very, you know, it, it reminds me of that same inspiration when we were writing music of our own. You know what I mean? It's it's not really yeah. that's not really something that I feel like I grew out of so much. But, um, you know, I, I listen to like Dark Side, obviously, and you know the the album just it flows really well right i mean it's yeah it's kind of like quintessential to that pink floyd sound that we were sort of describing that was happening at all over metal you know what i mean um and yeah. I, like even the wall like i you know i i may not like enjoy roger waters lyrics and kind of his direction here or anything but i you know i do appreciate the idea of like a full concept album you know, being completed, right? I mean, there's a lot mm-hmm. of yeah. bands so over many the failed, that, uh, <laughs> that never yeah. make it. Yeah. 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 You did it. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? Anything, any positives from the revisiting the catalog, Dan? You know, I'll, I'll say like, I, I, I was like, so not looking forward to listening to dark side of the moon, but I felt like, you know, you just, you, you had to for this podcast. And to be honest, it, it was less, like bad as as i thought it was gonna be you know like i still like i i you know i'm good for another 20 years uh you know of of not hearing it or whatever but it it wasn't as like bad as i as i as i thought it was like in in my mind i had built it up um to be this much like uh shittier like album you know um yeah like it it was like kind of a joy but you know like fucking money that's a that's a banging song you know like it's a that's a good (laughs) classic rock radio song you know like i you know it it just it just actually is um and that's what's interesting about the wall is like i I think it's like really borderline unlistenable but then because it's like so over the top but then when you're listening i'm like every three songs you get like an absolute classic rock staple Mm -hmm. like There are a lot of absolute slappers on that album. It's like, I don't even think he needed to put that many for it to be like such a huge hit. It's like, it's like, it's like Thriller is in that album. You know, it just happens to also have like another 20 yeah, songs. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, I did like the other day. Release the hits. The other day I, I got a, a new cell phone. And so I got in my car and like, you know, I hadn't set up the Bluetooth yet. So while I was doing it, my car had switched to the radio and it just happened to go to classic uh, rock and comfortably numb was on and i was like nice. i'm not i'm not minding this you know <laughs> T- take your time do this it's it's okay you know like it's 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 kind of a good song you know like in that it, it's you know guilty pleasure kind of way you know i don't want, I don't want anybody catching me uh listening to yeah. it but, yeah but you well, know like yeah i just had to switch to phil nyblock as soon as possible <laughs> no, exactly <laughs> <laughs> I will say, I will say that my children really enjoyed another brick in the wall part two. You know, very, mm-hmm. uh, very good song it's for a kids. Disco song. Right? Yeah, yeah, awesome. they all hate school, so that's good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. that's true. That's true. That's another that's like another the, Roger. Like, I was yeah. to that. I know Roger Waters genius. I was like, listen to that shit, and like you know the the song like before like the happiest days of our lives or something yeah, like yeah. the lyrics are just like 
the teachers were mean. Yeah, I know. What they is this? So Dude's like mean. 65, hates school. I like, cannot uh, understand what inspired him to write this shit. Like, really? That's why this character is so fucked up is because the teachers were mean. Like, anyway, um, my my like big epiphany from revisiting the, uh, you know, not all, but a lot of the catalog uh, this week was like, I just didn't really think of them in this way back in the day because I knew so little about music at that time. But it's like now I realize that like if you listen to them as a 70s rock band, it's like startling how much they're doing. You know what I mean? Like they're using like I think like for for metal is like the first time they got their hands on like a 16 track recorder, mm-hmm. which is absolutely amateur compared to like the infinite tracks that you can do now. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, it was a big thing then, but it's like just listening to like how much they are doing with such limited technology and just kind of like appreciating it as like, yeah, these are really fickle, like primitive synthesizers that they're figuring out. You know, they're just exploring for the very first time. Some of these like machines that nobody else knows how to work and they're just playing with them. And it's like the atmosphere they were able to create the stuff they were able to do with like tape loops and all this. I mean, it's like, I don't know, like maybe it's just a historical appreciation, but it's kind of stunning. Like 1971 metal comes out and just listening to what echoes is, I think is incredible. Um, on that note though, the problems that we were just talking about, um, do you find them on metal or do you think metal works better than the wall? For example? Oh, I think it definitely works better than the wall, but the, the, the wall is just <laughs> one of the biggest exercises in, in, in cringe that, that have happened. But I, I, I think, you know, it, I think this does, it works better than, than money. Or I mean, uh, dark side of the moon. I think it works better than wish you were here. I, you know, this, this is like really, I mean, we talked about it being like a, a transitional record and it really is like, I, you know, I don't really remember Obscured by Clouds all that well. I, I never really loved that one as a kid. But, um, you know, basically after this one, that we're getting into Dark Side, Wish You Were Here, Animals, all these ones that, like, right. just really final cut. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, I didn't even like that back then. You know, like, just we're, this is sort of the end of, like, there being, like, some, you know, redeemable qualities um maybe maybe not totally you know i I did have some positive things to say about dark side and wish you were here but you know like i i think like this is you know adam hart mother is the record before this and and i feel like it's it's like a really kind of a failed version of metal you know it's like they're they're trying to get Uh to like i never even liked that record you know back in the day either and it's like they're they're trying to get like this sort of experimental thing going like i feel like that record is like such a like they want to do echoes, but they just like they don't have it in them yet, or or you know they just, yeah, they just yeah. they're not there. Um, and then they get there at, at, at metal, and and I think that that makes it like an interesting interesting record. And and like I, I mean, honestly, I think it's still one of one of their best. Um, you know, I, I said like at a at a, at a time yeah. as a kid, it, it probably was my favorite. Uh, it's probably my my third favorite now after Piper and Sausage Full of Secrets. Um, but it's the best one that that Sid had no hand in. You know, physically at least. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. What about you, Darren? I mean, maybe you can just sum up your feelings as a sort of new listener on metal. Um. Yeah. I mean, you know, considering how I sort of felt about Pink Floyd going into this, you know, I was pleasantly, you know, surprised by metal. Right. Um. It. You know, and then of course going back to some of the previous records, like there seemed to be a bit more distance between 
uh, metal and those later records that we, that I revisited. Right. And, um, I sort of appreciated that. Right. And, you know, giving echoes a real shot this time around and, and not as much as I did back in the day, I guess. Um, you know, I, I really enjoyed it. You know, I, I really, I really did. Um, I think I like the record kind of overall, you know, I, I think echoes is just so dominant that it's okay to like say, you know, <laughs> three or four of the six tracks here um i could yeah. do without you know it's really okay like echoes really is worth coming back to you know what i mean but you came to like echoes then because you said even back in the day you thought echoes wasn't that good yeah yeah i uh i think i did you know the the section that we talked about is is still it kind of loses me a bit but i mean i think overall uh. like it, it's fine um will i come back to the record no probably not i mean pink floyd just in general i still feel the same about just I have no interest in really coming back to it, but there's a lot to appreciate here. I think that's kind of my final thought. Yeah, I, I feel like, you know, I mentioned that I've I've kind of never stopped liking the like sort of weird in between Sid Barrett and Dark Side era of Pink Floyd because I think, you know, it's very hit or miss, but there's a lot of like really interesting stuff. And it's just it's cool, like it's a cool myth that Pink Floyd has that like they lose their leader. And they just spend a few years like kind of wandering aimlessly in the desert, like trying random stuff. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, and then, you know, basically like, cause they're all, you know, on these previous records, like they're all doing stuff. Like everybody gets to write a song. Yeah, like, like a, they're, they're literally just, yeah. They're just like looking for like who, who will be the, our new leader. And of course it ends up being Roger Waters for, uh, for good or for bad. And, um, and I just feel like metal is like, it's kind of just before waters takes over and you know arguably screws some things up in my opinion but like the mastery of what they were kind of after is like just coming into focus i mean i guess this is not a new thought everybody kind of talks about it in this way but i just was like really impressed with echoes in particular i think it's like still holds up as a kind of masterpiece i think one of these days is like a very interesting very cool like very forward thinking track despite like not totally nailing it and then, you know, I'll just admit that, like, I think those middle section, those middle tracks there, maybe they just exist to lead us into Echoes, but I think they, this album is a listening experience. It kind of does hit beautifully. I'm like, when I start one of these days, I'm like basically just along for the ride and I'm like really looking forward to Echoes and it really pays off, you know, having listened to the whole thing. Mm -hmm. um, did you have any uh, final thoughts, Dan, if you can sum up, is this a good record metal? You know, I I think it, I think it's a good record. Yeah, it, it, it's one that's like at least uh, worth listening to. You know, it, it like you said, it it is like this interesting period, like before Roger Waters takes over and and changes the band for what I what I think is is the worst. Um, and you know, it, it, it's it's a nice historical document. I think what you said about like listening to it as like a '70s rock band and like realizing what they're doing. I mean, some of the sense they're using, like this is this is some of the earliest times you'll hear it like in popular music and, yeah. and everything. And, and yeah. I mean, to someone like me who, who likes music that revolves around those kind of things now, you know, it is kind of like cool hearing that in a, you know, uh, especially in a, in a, in a popular music kind of way. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, I, I think it's very brave to, to have even tried things like that and tape loops and samples and, and all these things. Like, I, I think they really like, I, I think it, it really does break some ground um, here. I know. Like, what were they even doing? What about the year, like, 1970 made them chase 
a sidelong composition. You know what I mean? Like what, <laughs> what the fuck was going on in the late sixties that they're like, we must create a masterpiece that is 25 minutes long. You know, like it's just crazy. I don't know what they were after, but it's like, it's cool. This like relentless search that's going on in this period. Um, and, and yeah, so I, I was impressed by it. I have like just a couple, like two final questions here. Um, one is like, maybe it's just the stuff we've already been talking about, but like, why do you think it is that Pink Floyd seems so uncool now? You know, like I was listening to this and I always like to jot down like things that songs remind me of, you know? And when I was listening to like, you know, I, I was like jotting down swans and stuff or, you know, earth and sun for one of these days. I was jotting down like on pillow of winds, just like the weird way that it's mixed. I was like, man, the microphones could have done a track like this, you know? Um, you know, jotting down obviously like Godspeed or Fishman's on Echoes. Um, you know, it's like, I don't know if all that stuff is cool. Why is Pink Floyd considered so uncool? I think it, it has a lot to do with with Roger Waters. You know, I mean, he's just a colossal dickhead, like a- outside of music <laughs> and everything. And I mean, you know, the the the, the bitching and moaning uh, on later records, like it just gets so old. Like, you know, you you just I. I I don't know it, that that makes it so uncool. And then I think it's something like this. This is I think a lot of people um, first you know uh, brush with experimental music. And so I think like when you start here and then you you know you get into something like God's Beard, it's like it's a little bit to like you know and maybe for 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 better or worse, but like you know embarrassing or, or whatnot to like to talk about where where you came from which which i think is like somewhat disingenuous um and all but i, I don't know i mean i i think a lot of it has to do with roger waters being a dickhead <laughs> yeah yeah i mean what do you what do you think darren because to me it seems like there's also an element of like rock is very out pretentious like concept rock is very very yeah. out right now um but why do you think pink floyd of all these classic 70s bands you know we we did that episode on like best album of 1970 you know we were like what is the defining artist of the 70s we didn't even like mention yeah, Pink Floyd, didn't even think didn't they, even cross my mind yeah um so why are they so out of style darren yeah i mean i don't know i, I think i agree with the idea of like <clears throat> you know uh concept albums and this sort of thing is sort of just totally out but you know i think this is going to sound pretty elitist but you know them being just so incredibly mainstream, right? Just the name Pink Floyd and kind of like their their stance now, like where they are positioned in, you know, music in general, right? Um, I think really takes away, probably unfairly, right? Um, yeah. The achievements that they, they have earned, you know what I mean? Um, they're really right up there alongside like, you know, and I, you know, I, I do like ACDC, but they are like right alongside an ACDC type of thing. I mean, a typical fan who likes ACDC is going to know Pink Floyd. Right. And yeah, they're stadium. They're like stadium rock. Right. I mean, that's just what it is. Right. Even if like, you know, similar to ACDC, like their early years, their first singer, like most people probably don't even, you know, know very much about that. Just like I'm sure a lot of Pink Floyd fans have no idea that Sid Barrett was, you know, their original leader and stuff, right? Yeah. And so as, you know, for me personally, I guess, you know, I, I try not to, you know, I try to avoid being like a pretentious, like elitist when it comes to music. But, you know, 
it's hard to ignore all of that kind of stuff, right? Like it's just hard to ignore um Pink Floyd's position and and what what influence that they've had, you know what I mean? Um yeah. Roger Waters, all the stuff uh, that you guys have mentioned. I just think that it's it's hard for me to just say yeah, I I love this for exactly what it is. Like it's just it's so much more than that. And and it's unfair, I think, for me to feel that way, I guess. Yeah, and I think on that note, you know, like Pink Floyd is kind of like the they just epitomize like the opposite of punk. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like Johnny Rotten very famously wore like a shirt that said, I hate Pink Floyd. And <laughs> I think the punk movement was like basically defined as like, you know, it's like, fuck all this like really big grand, like over the top, you know, rock, but it, it can kind of be boiled down to like, just fuck Pink Floyd basically. And, you know, it just seems like music in general kind of moves back and forth between these like, a lot of virtuosity, but then it pulls back into like a punk spirit of like amateurism and stuff. And it just feels like, like it's hard to say which side of that spectrum we're on exactly right now, but it's just like Pink Floyd is just the punching bag for anybody that like hates, Mm -hmm. you know, really inflated egos and really, yeah. Like thinking highly of yourself type music. Um, so the final question then is like, you know, we talk about how things change, trends change. I have this theory that I repeat every episode that every decade <laughs> music completely changes. Will Pink Floyd be making a comeback in uh, in the popular, you know, like in the indie kind of cool kids world anytime soon? I mean, I I don't know. Maybe. I, I, I don't think anytime soon. <laughs> you know, I, I like I say every episode, you know, we're getting into a new metal revival. That's what's coming back next. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, so like, I think we're going to have to wait at least another decade before we get into Pink Floyd. So maybe, maybe if we're, we're still alive, uh, maybe, maybe uh, we'll get back into Pink Floyd. But I, I don't know. It just, it just really does seem like such a hurdle to overcome um, with the, the pretension and, and everything. And I, I would be a little surprised, I think. You know, it, I, I think we'll continue to be, I mean, the way I am, like, the Sid Barrett era is like the cool indie, you know, I'm in the no kind of right, thing. Like right. I, I think it'll stay like that for, for at least quite a while. Um, but yeah, I, I, yeah. I could be wrong. What do you think there? You got any, like predict it like down to the year. When <laughs> is put your money where your mouth is 2023 Pink Floyd is cool again. That's crazy. Cause like literally that was the year that just kind of popped in my head. When That's you, it. When you said year, it was just like 2023. So maybe That's we're on to something fake. here. Okay. On the record. Yeah. Remember to um, look at this in 2023 and see. Right. 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 <laughs> I think that, uh, you know, anything that goes, into this sort of like hated territory in the indie world certainly has a chance to, to rebound with future generations, right. To be rediscovered in some sort of way. And I think that as we've discussed Pink Floyd, you know, they laid a lot of groundwork for a lot of future bands. And I think that they're also still a really good entry point for anybody who is wanting to get more and more serious about music listening. You know what I mean? Um, once you get past the radio hits and some of that, I mean, there's there's plenty of, of work here that is certainly, you know, worth listening to and can certainly lead you into to the directions that, you know, the three of us ended up going down. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think it'll always remain yeah. a good entry type of band for that sort of thing. 
Yeah, well, the uh, you know the Grateful Dead is like full blown cool again now after a period of being like considered one of the lamest uh, bands. That's ever. true. So yeah, that's a good point. Actually, it can, it, it can always happen. Uh, any final thoughts, or do we have time for just a really quick listener email? Let's go for it. So after our recent episode on 100 Gex, we received an email from listener Luke, which included a link to a very lengthy Google Doc essay comparing the group's debut LP, LP uh, 1000 Gex to the Velvet Underground's trailblazing 1967 debut, The Velvet Underground, and Nico. I wish I could credit the original author. It's not listed on this Google Doc, but in any case, thanks, Luke, for sending it our way. Uh, remember, you too can email us, popshieldpod at gmail.com. I know you guys didn't get a chance to read this uh, really, really long thing. So to sum it up, the essay is basically arguing that, like the album 1000 Gex, The Velvet Underground and Nico was kind of like an ironic commentary on styles of the past, Yet this is precisely what made it sound so trailblazing after the fact. Um, I don't think we have to like spend a ton of time digging through this because I don't know. It was more like the, it was a long thing and it kind of devolved into just like a really obsessive person about 100 gags, to be <laughs> honest. But I was kind of very curious if you guys think of Velvet Underground and Nico in that way. It's like I never really thought of it that way, but it's like. I always think of the Velvet Underground as like this this absolutely trailblazing group, you know, like they just kind of like invented lots of different genres, like the first kind of punk band, like the first, you know, they've got like um, this kind of like soft indie, like Baroque pop thing, period. And like they just like they do this weird drone stuff and like experimental stuff. And it's just like, do you think of Velvet Underground and maybe just the Velvet Underground and Nico in particular as like kind of a looking back at all? Not not at all. You know, I, I've always like like you said, it, it's sort of the like the first kind of, you know, indie band, uh, I, I think like they, they're the first ones to, um, you know, like really like meld the world of, um, you know, avant garde music and, you, you know, just regular old rock and roll, um, you know, th- like they're they're bringing in drone and everything, you know, like I, I, I just I really like struggle to see how that's looking back yeah i mean i guess like the the rock and roll portion of it is maybe like a little bit but even that i i i I find it it's played in such a way that it that it becomes something new you know i mean it like really is like the first kind of punk thing um i yeah yeah i hate to uh shit on luke's uh email (laughs) because he's written us a few times he seems like a nice guy but um yeah well, he, these aren't even his thoughts, honestly. Oh, he true, just yeah. Somebody else's thoughts. So shit on it all you okay, want. Okay, well, but good. <laughs> Darren, I mean, Darren, when, when you hear like, you know, like Run, 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 is that kind of like a like an old-time Chuck Berry type song? Or when you hear like, you know, I'll Be Your Mirror or, you know, like Femme Fatale or those kind of like consciously old-timey, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, I guess if you really looked at it, you could probably peel away some of the more experimental layers and that'll probably get you what you're looking for right but i mean to me like i always think of like velvet underground and that album in particular is just like almost like lightning in a bottle for music right at that mm -hmm, time like i mean just to have a record have recording of a band that's doing that sort of thing i feel like we're so fortunate to, to have had it even happen um and you know maybe that mindset would be similar to like what you know 100 gex is doing now right it's just different because of how easy it is to sort of create that and get it to you know get it to listeners ears right whereas back then it just seems like 
you just had to be very lucky, especially with something that wasn't like, you know, very popular and on the radio and like the Beatles, you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I guess I, I do overall think of it that way. Like it's just this lightning in a bottle moment of like showing us like a lot of the future of music all at once. Um, but I don't know. I was just kind of struck by the, you know, reading that essay because I was kind of like, yeah, honestly, like some of these songs do sound like a little antiquated, like maybe on purpose, you know, I just think of like, I'll be your mirror or something. Or like, there she goes again. Like, they're just like these like simple little pop ditties that sound like, like the Ronettes should have done them in the early sixties or something like that. And yet they're kind of reinventing it. But, you know, and I, and I agree that it's like, maybe we, we think it's, it's so forward looking just because we've now seen like the future. And maybe if you were listening in 1967, you'd be like, why are they doing like early sixties music? Um, so yeah, I, uh, you know, thanks. Thanks again for the email, Luke. I think it's an interesting way to think about it. I'm sure we'll end up doing a kind of velvet underground episode one of these days. Oh yeah, that'd be nice. All right. Well, that's enough uh, for this week. I, I got to get to my first, uh, at home streaming concert in the, uh, age of, of COVID, <laughs> uh, going to see Nick cave tonight. Uh, so what, yeah. what do you think? We'd love to read your thoughts on the air. You can email us uh, popshieldpod at gmail.com next episode. Uh, maybe there'll be a Kanye album. Probably not. We'll oh. see. Uh, so if you like the show, help us out by subscribing. Leave us a five-star review wherever you get your podcast. Stay connected. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all that junk is at Pop Shield Pod. And we'll see you in two weeks. See ya. So long. Bye.